share with you today, and um, I pray that we will understand that unless the Lord builds the house, we that labor, we labor in vain. Amen? Amen. And so we're trusting God to build the house. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my house and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Well, the key to that whole phrase is that we don't have to build it. Hallelujah. Because Jesus said, I will build my church. So if we want to be a part of what Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit are doing in the earth, we have to allow him to work through us to build his house. Because unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor, labor in vain. Because it's not the Lord's house. So we don't have to toil. We don't have to struggle. We just have to yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit and let him do what only he can do. Amen? So before I get started, I want to just announce that we do have the shut-in on February 10th. Come on, let's give God praise. We start at 9 p.m. and we go to 6 a.m. And then this Wednesday, we have communion. So we would love to see all of you that are sitting in these seats, 1045, and, and all of everyone, if we could just fellowship together for communion on Wednesday. So we just finished the series, The Watchmen. And I was truly blessed by that. How many of you were blessed by the Watchmen series? Pastor Lewis and uh, Evangelist Josh, they did a phenomenal job. The new series is entitled, for these next couple of weeks, it's entitled Love and Marriage. We're going to be dealing with relationships. And I have the privilege to stand before you today. (laughs) Praise God. So how many of you remember first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes, I'll say Mary, with a baby carriage? How about that? (laughs) Or how about the song, love and marriage, love and marriage, go together like a a horse and carriage. So for me, love is the horse that carries marriage. While there are many married couples who live together without love, I'm here to tell you that if it wasn't for L-O-V-E, Pastor Lenny and I would not be married today. When Pastor Lenny and I first got married, early in our marriage, it became evident that his passion, desires, attention were not given to me. All of his passion was toward an addiction that he spent most of his time and most of our money chasing after. And so I'm going to get a little personal with you this morning. Not that personal, but I'm going to get a little personal. Because the Holy Spirit has given me the liberty to just put my life on display And I pray that it'll help somebody prevent all of the mistakes that we went through. I pray that you never have to go through what we went through. 
It was a very difficult time in our lives. I went to talk to a minister who gave me advice in the form of a question. The question was, do you love him? Well, that was hard to say <laughs> in the midst of it all. She told me to go home and read 1 Corinthians 13. So I went home, I opened my Bible, and I read, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. On May 27th, 1978, Pastor Lenny and I stood before the minister in my mother's storefront church at 1532 Seaview Avenue and recited marriage vows. The preacher said, do you marry Christina Williams? Take Leonard Ronald Green to be your lawful wedded husband, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better or for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do you part, according to God's holy matrimony in the presence of God, do you make this vow? And I answered, I do. <laughs> I was 19, he was 20. And neither one of us understood the sacredness of our vows or what we were truly saying when we said, I do. I didn't really get it until I went home that day and read 1 Corinthians 13, which became my anchor. The unconditional agape love of God, it changed the condition of my heart. It became the condition of my heart. The condition of my heart determines the outcome of my life. And so when I learned 1 Corinthians 13, that scripture came alive in me. And it has been my complete anchor. When anything ever went wrong, the Holy Spirit always brought that scripture to me. Love is patient, <laughs> love is kind, it does not take an account to the wrong done to it. This is my experience. Because the word of God became rhema to me on that day. Not only did the word of God become rhema, those vows came alive. And so the word of God about love, the only reason why we make 45 years this year is because of 1 Corinthians 13 that has anchored and established me. Solomon
Solomon in the book of Proverbs talks about many heart conditions and their consequences. In Proverbs 12, 25, it says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. 15, 13 says, a glad heart makes a cheerful face. 18, 12 says, before destruction, a man's heart is haughty. And 14, 10 says, in this book, we read about the heart of bitterness. 14.30 says about a tranquil, tranquil heart. 15.13 says it talks about a sorrow of heart. 18.15 talks about an intelligent heart. And we go on, the book talks about a proud heart, and it talks about purity of heart. And all of these describe inward responses and conditions. Have you thought about the current condition of your heart? If the rest of us had a window into allowing us to peer into your heart, what would we see? How is your heart responding to the challenges you're currently facing? Over and over again, the book of Proverbs emphasizes how sin ruins the heart. For example, it talks about a perverted heart. In 618 Proverbs, we read about a heart that devises wicked plans. 1120 speaks of a crooked heart. 1414 says the backslider in heart. And 2623 talks about an evil heart. Proverbs 1220 reveals that deceit in the heart of those who devise evil, and 26.25 describes how the one who hates has abomination in his heart. That's why I have entitled today's sermon, My Heart, the Wellspring of Life. The condition of my heart, again, determines the outcome of my life. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. That's the ESV. And in the NIV, it says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from your heart. The New Testament says it like this. John 7 and 38 in the ESV says, whoever believes in me and the scripture has said, out of his heart, flows rivers of living water. John 7, 7, 38, King James, it says, he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. The rivers of living water are referring to the Holy Spirit and affects the effects he produces in the lives of believers. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, the fruit of the spirit is love, Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. These qualities should flow, out of, should flow out of us as an artesian well that should not have to be pumped. It flows automatically. They will flow as we conform our thinking to God's word. What is an artesian well? Artesian well water flows to the land service because 
Pressure in the rocks underground force it to the surface. Jesus Christ came not just to help us have good behavior. He came to radically change our hearts. Whoa. Let me tell you that day that I decided that I was going to walk in the love of God for my husband, I have never been the same again. And I can honestly say, no matter what I went through, people would say to me, like, how, how do you do it? And it wasn't in my own strength. It wasn't in my own power. It was through the agape love of God that flowed out of me. Yes. Esther, the Hebrew girl, was prepped to become queen. But on the inside, she was Mordecai's niece who got swept up into being picked to become the next queen. In her heart, all she wanted to be was the Hebrew girl that she was. We can dress things up on the inside, but there is one who knows everything about our hearts. Little did Esther know she would end up having to say, I do to a whole lot more than what she anticipated. She was just a Jewish girl who was still struggling to overcome her parents' death, living in a foreign land. Traditionally, Hebrews, in preparation for the betrothal ceremony, the bride and the groom are separated, the bride and the groom separately are immersed in water in a ritual called the mikvah which is symbolic of spiritual cleansing. Many who are single struggle with being single because of so many different reasons. And no matter what anybody says, it doesn't take away the pain of being alone if it's your heart's desire to be married. Can I get an amen? amen. My prayer today for singles is that you devote your singleness to a time of mikvah, spiritual cleansing. Point number one, before I say I do, this is what we have to say. God, purify my heart. God, purify my heart. Psalms 51 and 10, and I'm giving you a lot of scripture because I know that the word is alive and I know that it'll fall on good ground and it is that which is going to pierce your heart today to bring about change. And my prayer is that you get revelation knowledge and understanding like the day I got that revelation knowledge when I read the book of 1 Corinthians. May the word of God come alive for you today and you leave this place with a rhema word. The rhema word is the spoken word that comes alive, gets into your heart, and it gives you the ability to fight with. So my prayer today is that the word of God will come alive. The word of God came alive for me when I was sitting in the classroom at, at, at Rama Bible Training Center and Dr. Hagen was preaching. And all along I was saying, this man keeps saying the same thing over and over, same thing over and over. God, you sent me 1,450 miles to hear this man day after day say the same thing over and over until God told me he's saying over and over because you're not hearing, you're not listening. You're not getting the revelation that I have for you. And it was that one day he was speaking on uh, praying for your loved ones. And he taught me 
I grabbed hold of that word. <laughs> Long story short, my husband, two weeks later, was saved. All the way in New York in a program, but God gave me a rhema word, and I stood on that word. I went home straight from school, got on my knees, and turned that word in the spirit. So the Bible says in Psalms 51.10, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. So before I say I do, God, purify my heart. Psalms 26.2 says, Test me, Lord, and try me. Examine me. Hallelujah. My heart, examine me. Test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. How many of you know that your mind is the battlefield? When Pastor Lenny and I entered into marriage, we had so much baggage, like Pastor Lewis was talking about yesterday. And it blessed me to hear his testimony about his parents, Pastor Felix. We started filling the trash can long before we said, I do. Proverbs 22:15 says that folly is bound up in the heart of a child. So much past hurt from childhood and other relationships, still damaged from how the last person treated me, treated him, bound by the spirit of independence, struggling to forgive my father, independence because I had no man, no man in my entire life to trust in because my father wasn't there. So yeah, I was dealing with father issues and unforgiveness. I used to send my father hate mail. I knew exactly where he was. <laughs> and all he got from me was hate mail because I could understand why, until you learn later all the secrets. <laughs> and it was better that he was there, amen. <laughs> so, but I, um, I could count on both hands the times that I saw him in my life. So I was still holding unforgiveness toward my father for what he should've, could've, and how about um, you single men and single women? Are you confident in whom God has made you? Because before you say, I do, you got to go through the mikvah before you say, I do. Because if you don't go through the mikvah, you're going to carry all that baggage into a relationship that is meant to be the best thing in your life. Have you dealt with those feelings of rejection? Are you confident in whom God made you? Are you looking for someone to validate you? Are you looking for someone to rescue you from yourself because you don't even know yourself? Are you dealing with trust issues? Have you learned how to trust God even when you can't trust that person, that man, or that woman? Because there is definitely going to come a time where you're going to be tempted to not trust. Are you looking for someone to complete you? Have you committed your sex drive to the Lord? Should I say that again? Have you committed your sex drive to the Lord? 
Are you operating in self-control? Because getting married is not gonna conquer the sex problem. There's a whole lot of men going outside of marriage, whole lot of women going outside of marriage. So we rushed into marriage because I didn't want to live in sin. Conviction. I was in a legalistic church. I almost got married at the age of 16. Wow. Woo, I was engaged at the age of 16, but I knew it wasn't God. Somehow God spoke to me and told me that that man right there is your husband. And so we rushed into marriage because I didn't want to live in sin. And it's during this time, while you're in this mikvah time, if you allow yourself to be cleansed, you allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the things that need to come to the surface so that you can deal with them, not suppress them, but deal with them. This is where you learn to trust and depend on God. And this is where you enjoy being single. Put a smile on your face. Enjoy being single. Greatest love is self-love. We need to discover ourselves as a person of value. And if you never get married, you are a person of value. You have to discover your worth. God is your source and your self-worth. Love yourself before you can love others. You got to know your self-identity. Becoming a whole single person, W-H-O-L-E, whole. Discover who you are. Man, this is a time to figure out where you're going. All of you men. Do you have a vision for marriage before you bring somebody else into your life? Do you know what you want and where you're going? Because how can somebody, how can you lead a family if you don't know where you're going? And most women become dominant because they don't have a leader. Most women don't want to be dominant, but they're not going to sit back and wait and wait and wait. So I'm, I'm here to say that get a vision before you even think about marriage. A good counselor will help you through working through this stuff. So somebody might say, yeah, Pastor Mary, you've been, 40, you've been married 45 years. You got a nerd be standing up here talking about single people. Well, let me tell you something. The devil is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We know that comes from Jesus being the same yesterday, today, and forever. But let me tell you something. When I was in Bible school, I, um, I was away from my husband, and one of my classmates asked me to take him to the airport. And then he asked me to pick him back up from the airport. I picked him up, and I'm like, okay, see ya. And he asked me to come in. And I said, oh, God, I'm going here. But I did. I went in. And when I got in that house, I felt a spirit of lust come over me. And from that day forward, I began to struggle. I struggled to the point where 
I called upon this older lady. Because this, and I call it a demon now because it was a demon. He was a demon. He was a demon in Bible school. <laughs> Coming to get me. <laughs> the devil walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But I love God so much. I, I called my friend and I said, you know what I'm going to do? I said, can I just come and sleep on your couch for about a month? I submitted myself to accountability because I did not want to backslide. I did not want to leave God. I did not want to lose my salvation. So sometimes you got to commit yourself to somebody so that they can speak into your life. Just so you can stay free. Amen. So that was during the time when Pastor Lenny was away and he ended up getting saved and he came and he moved to Oklahoma. And so when we came back together again, we renewed our vows at the church that we were going to in Oklahoma. But when he came back, I said, honey, we're going to do it right this time. You're going to sleep over here and I'm going to sleep. We, had, we were married. <laughs> but I said, God, I want to relay this foundation. And I want you to be first in this foundation. So he slept over there. I slept over there. We took 10 weeks of counseling. <laughs> 10 weeks we held out. Hallelujah. Even though we were married, we held out because I wanted God's blessing upon it. I knew what it was like before. And I did not want to go through what we went through again. Because I went before God and jumped ahead of God, and then we ended up going through what we were going through. God said he was yours, but he said he didn't say get married in 30 days. <laughs> so before the pastor would even renew our vows, we had to commit to 10 weeks of counseling. I want to encourage you. Counseling is the best thing that can happen to you on this side of marriage because it's a harder thing to try to go and mend something that you wouldn't have had to go through had you gotten wise counsel. From that point on in our relationship, we began to read books, look at tapes. We spent a lot of time, back then it was the DVDs and we was looking at everything to strengthen our marriage because we learned in counseling that marriage is not a 50-50 thing. So as long as you have that mentality, you're always going to be looking for someone to complete you. You're always going to be looking for someone for your other half. You're always going to be looking for that other half. You know, we say my better half. There is no better half. We are whole. Marriage is about two whole parts coming together to complement each other, not complete each other. It's a myth, you complete me. It sounds good, sounds really nice, but it's not true. No, God completed us when he came into our life and he gave us himself. He completed us. And so God gave Adam Eve as a helpmate. And we help each other carry out our own distinct roles. Men, were commanded by God to cultivate their wives. Point number two is for married couples. 
Point number two says, because I said I do, my prayer is, God, sanctify my heart. Proverbs 23, 26 says, my son, give me your heart and let your eyes delight in my ways. Sanctify means to be set apart or separated. In a marriage, your heart must become set apart for your one and only. Let me say that again. For your one and only. In a godly marriage, you must become one with God before you can become one with each other. Marriage is when you decide to dedicate your love to one person for the rest of your life. Hebrews 13, 4 says, let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Genesis says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Ephesians 5.33 says, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let the wife see that she respects her husband. That'll go a long way, ladies, a real long way. Matthew 19.4-6, he answered, have you not read the whole that who created them from the beginning made them male and female. That settles the gender question. Settle. The Bible is the infallible word of God, period. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they no longer are two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man, no man, can put asunder. No man can separate. I, God put us together. And even when I was away, I was going through waiting and waiting and waiting. And I um, went to a counselor at the school and uh, she said, you're free to go. You can divorce him. Go on with your life. Have, go for it. But God didn't say so. God didn't say so. We were one. And that threefold cord, one with him, me and him makes, Jesus is in the middle, all the way, without a doubt, all the way. And so I have experienced a lot. My husband has experienced a lot. And when we got back together again, we were still like going through, but we picked up those books, we picked up tapes, and we... We, we would fall asleep listening to tapes because we wanted our marriage to be strong. So in Genesis 2.15, in the Garden of Eden, we see that God gave Adam his presence. So the first thing God gave him was to sit in Eden in his presence. And so my whole thing is, how do you spell marriage? It's love, honor, and respect. Love, honor, and respect. I love my husband too much to disrespect him. I love my husband too much to dishonor him. In 1 Kings 3rd chapter, God appears to Solomon saying, ask 
what I shall give thee. And Solomon answered is, O Lord, I am but a child. Set over this great people. Give me, I pray thee, a hearing heart. And God said to him, because thou hast asked this thing and hast not asked for thyself long life nor riches, behold, I have done according to thy words. I have given thee a wise and understanding heart. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked for, but riches and honor. Men, God gave Solomon more than he asked for because he put the needs of others before himself. He gave him a wise and understanding heart, plus he gave him riches and honor. Because the first thing that a man must do is to sacrifice for his wife. My final point is for those who are widowed and divorced. What happens when I do becomes I don't? The prayer is, God, may your peace guard my heart. Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So when I do becomes I don't have my spouse because she or he passed away, but thank God I have peace. When I don't, when I do becomes I don't, have my spouse because I'm now divorced, we can thank God because he promised to give peace. Divorce is like death. It's like the loss of a loved one. Doesn't just affect parents, but everyone in the family. Everybody that's involved. When my sister got divorced, I felt like her husband died. He was an intricate part of our lives. And um, I was in Oklahoma when it happened. The scripture says, my son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ears to my saying. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence. For from it flows the springs of life. He promised to bind the brokenhearted. He was stricken with grief, so you don't have to carry it. Those of you that are going through. And some of us are grieving over past relationships, not even marriage. We're, we're grieving over a breakup. But if you go back to the mikvah experience, and allow the Holy Spirit to cleanse your heart from all that hurt, all that disappointment, all that grief, all that rejection. You can be free in Jesus. To allow the Spirit of God to flow out of you. Not just for others, but for yourself as well. Let's stand to our feet. It doesn't matter what category you find yourself in this morning. We are all a part of the bride of Christ. And Jesus is coming back for his bride. He's coming back. And there's going to be a marriage that we are all going to celebrate at. But there might be somebody in here today who 
needs to say, Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew the right spirit within me. My heart, let it be the wellspring of life because the condition of my heart will determine the outcome of my life. So you can't hold on to bitterness because that wellspring is not going to flow. Whether you're single, married, or divorced, I ask you today, what is the condition of your heart? Can you bow your heads with me? What is the condition of your heart? Because every last one of us in this room fall under one of these categories. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is saying that you can be all that I created you to be. And no matter what state you're in, if you're single, you can be single and happy. You can be single and free. You can be single and content. What is the condition of your heart? Ezekiel 36, 26 says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. And I will put within you, I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Father, we thank you and we honor you today. We thank you, Lord, because your word is true. We thank you, Lord, because your word is fire and it pierces the heart of the hearers. So we pray, Heavenly Father, that every person under the sound of my voice will hear what the Spirit has to say this morning. And whether they're married, single, divorced, or widowed, I say, Father, the power and the presence that was in the Garden of Eden is here today. And so I ask you, Heavenly Father, to allow your presence to take over. And if you will, if you would just lift your hands, because some of us in here are seriously depressed over not being married. That's not the will of God for you. It doesn't have to be your life. You can be set free today if you give him your heart. Some of us are so lonely, we just go through the motions and uh, you know we try to keep ourselves busy but I'm here to tell you today that you don't have to do all that. All you gotta do is give them your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to flow through you. And some of us are in marriages where there is no love. There is no tolerance. There is no patience. There is no kindness. There is no peace. There is no long suffering. There is no perseverance. I pray that the word of God comes alive for you today because we are the people of God. And the people of God live in victory no matter who we are and no matter who we are attached to or not attached to. So the first people I want to pray for quickly is those who maybe you haven't given your heart to the Lord and you want to live in this victory 
and you want to be able to overcome and you want deliverance from the things that you've been going through because you have not been giving God glory in the things that you do and your life has not been that wellspring with every head bowed and every eye closed I'm going to ask you if you've never given your heart to the Lord, I want you to raise your hand right now. And you say, God, I want you to come in and transform my heart. I know what that's like. Because on the day that I gave my heart to the Lord, he captivated my heart. And I've never been the same again. Never been able to do the things that I used to do without his love wooing me back. So if that's you, I want you to just lift your hand. Just lift it up high so we can see you and so that we can pray with you this morning. Just lift it high. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And for those of you that are struggling, those of you that are struggling, I want to say to you, It's time to take that bold step and stop allowing the enemy to have so much victory over your life. It's time to say no more. I'm not going to be wishy-washy. I'm not going to be in and out. I'm not going to uh, do it today and not tomorrow. And I'm going to be not trying to wish it. And I would encourage you to come to the shut-in on Friday. Come to the shut-in and sit in the presence of God. And allow the Holy Spirit to transform your life, to fill you, baptize you to the overflowing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So if you need prayer this morning, don't be ashamed. Just come to the altar and say, God, I need your help. God, I need your help. God, I want your help. I need your help, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I want you to just lay your hands on the person next to you, on their shoulder, not, not holding hands, just on their shoulder. And I want you to just pray over them. I don't, you may not know if they're married, single, or divorced, or widowed, but I want you to just touch them this morning and pray. Just pray a blessing over them if you can. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word we believe God that it fell on good ground and we declare Lord that it will bring forth fruit a hundredfold we establish in this atmosphere your word it's spoken it's released in the atmosphere and we declare Lord if there be anyone in this place that even might be contemplating divorce I rebuke that and I declare God that you will mend that marriage in the name of Jesus I declare Heavenly Father that those single people who are struggling and trying to live for you I pray God that they will come to know Lord God that it can be an effortless walk all they got to do is allow 
the Holy Spirit to flow out of them and you will do the work. All they got to do is surrender their will. And while the spirit is willing, the flesh might be weak. So God, I declare in the name of Jesus that they will have victory and that there will be no more struggle from this day forward in the name of Jesus. And I pray for those, God, who are divorced or uh, a widow, Father God. And I thank you, Lord, for helping them to reestablish their going. That you would reestablish them and put them on a firm foundation so that they can allow you to get the glory out of their lives. Just lift your hands and say, Lord, we thank you for your word. Say, I receive your word into my life and I will not worry, I will not complain, but like Paul, whatever state I am in, I will be content. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.